You're listening to the Modern Web Podcast. For more podcasts, videos, and events, find us online at modern-web.org or follow us on Twitter at modern.web. That's M-O-D-E-R-N-D-O-T-W-E-B. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Modern Web. My name is Tracy. I'm one of your hosts today. You can follow me on Twitter at Lady Elite, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ben Lesh. Hi, Ben. Hey, how are you? <laughs> Lovely. And we're so excited to have Sam Sacconi here today. Hi, Sam. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Sam, you're wearing your uh, your 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 typical beanie, which That's not correct. everyone can see, but I like it. It looks new though. It looks different. Okay, there we go. Yes. Yeah. It's a good one. Is it a Toledo? It's not mud hens. What is that? Rockets. Toledo the Rockets. Rockets. What's, uh, what are the Toledo Rockets? They're like the hockey team or something? No, football team. Really? I didn't know they had a football team. College. <laughs> you know, Toledo's a big town, Ben. A lot of things <laughs> going on there. It is a big town, actually. It's not small. <laughs> okay. Well, anyways, moving on to the most important reason why we are all here together today, which is talking about tech interviews. So, Sam, you're apparently going to tell us how to pass all tech interviews. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> or are we here to say, screw tech interviews, they shouldn't happen? Uh, no, no, no. More, um, maybe we can talk a little bit about some of the techniques to navigate uh, big tech interviews and sort of how I think of approaching them uh, in order to be successful in the generic sense. Uh, Every company does interviews quite differently, um, but there are some kind of overarching themes um, that I think a lot of companies are following. Yeah. So um, So are you pro-whiteboard? Are you pro-whiteboard? Pro, you cannot use the internet to Google things? (laughs) Uh, good question. Uh, <laughs> I am I am pro interviews where you work through a problem with someone. I like that. Um, so that's my current thinking. Uh, if the goal of the interview is just to get a feel for how the person approaches problems mm-hmm. and get a measure about how their thought process works, I think um, those kind of in-person interviews, the the whiteboard interviews, quote unquote. Um, can be a helpful tool to get signal out of um, the interviews. But if you use the whiteboard as a, do you have all of these API memorized? Like, do you know um, every single JavaScript API for doing maps and reduces? Like, that's not super useful. I'm more interested in how do you approach the problem? How do you think about the problem? How do you break it down? And how do you communicate your thought process? So has there been like a, has there been like an like an overarching trend of, you know, I mean, there's a lot of these like, I don't know, content out there on how to pass fang interviews. I heard, uh, you know, I could be wrong, but I think Stanford even has a class on this, right? Definitely. So like, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. I think um, my, my personal recommendation for people is to, um, if you're going into an interview that has this sort of format where they're going to ask you questions and you're going to cycle through a few different interviewers in a day is to treat it like a test. Um, it's a test like you wouldn't go into a test in high school or college without studying. So um, you need to study, you need to prepare 
for what you're about to just go go into so you can be successful. Um, yeah. There's obviously some big downsides in the sense that uh, are we biasing, like are these sort of interviews biased against people who have more time to prepare? I think that's a, a really valid point. Um, and there's a lot of solutions for this and I think, or ways around this problem uh, where the interview coordinator should be able to, if you express this as your, if you don't have time to study, if you are curious about what the format is or you want more help on preparing, typically the interview coordinators wanna help you be successful. And so they're going to provide you with resources, provide you with videos and materials for how you can prepare and be successful. Um, That's like amazing. I didn't realize that interviewers would actually give you that information. Yeah, if, if well, at Google in particular, is such a big company, like they'll push back interviews for as long as they have to, to give you enough time and all that. At Netflix, I have to say, because it's a smaller company, or at least it was when I was there. Uh, if you ask for too much time, you might miss out on an opportunity there because it's a little bit different. It doesn't have the, like Google and Facebook or whatever, they'll just bring you in as an engineer and then figure out where the where to place you. Whereas, you know, smaller companies might have a particular position in mind. Did you, um, Ben, when you went through the Netflix interview, did you have to do a take home as well? Uh, did I do a take home? Yeah, I did. Well, no, actually, I think I did a, a phone screen first. And then, uh, and then I came in for like a full day interview. That's I don't think I had a take home with them. Because so, it, uh, depends. it depends on the team. So. Oh, I see. I see. Is it standard, Sam, across Google, like the interview process? Uh, I can only speak to my my like personal experience, not across the entire company. But like typically, there is usually some sort of screen that happens, and um, that is more or less to get a baseline understanding of the, you know, do you know what programming is? Uh, do you know some basic concepts? It's a first screen uh, to make sure that the people, when they come on site or do these remote interviews, um, kind of meet the baseline expectation to even have a conversation. How fast should your website actually be? What are the top <laughs> metrics that Lighthouse gives you? <laughs> no, 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 uh, no, no. Much more generic, like uh, tell me about how HTML works. Uh, tell me about- uh, That's hard though. Tell me about how HTML works. Well, it's meant to be probing. Website? It's meant to be probing. Like, how would you describe it? Well, there are tags, and then there's a browser that parses it, and then renders it, and lays it out. Just like you're looking for high-level understanding. Yeah. So, have you ever um, have you have you done interviews during you know uh, you know th these times these times? <laughs> and have you done it via video, like video screening? Or, I have, I have uh, quite a few. All right, let me let me just tell you a funny story, and you tell me if you've experienced this too. We didn't end up hiring this guy, but so we're asking him questions. What you did or didn't end up? Hiring. We, we did not end up hiring him. Oh, yeah. So we're asking this guy questions about Node and like you know some some you know random things in Node, and you know he's like oh uh uh you know and like you know, he coughs, right? But then in his background, I can see that he's actually Googling it and just reading off the screen. <laughs> so like, how, how do you prevent things like that happening, Sam? Like, is that a common thing? Uh, the, the questions that I usually ask are not 
general knowledge questions like uh, tell me the syntax of this or tell me the history of this thing. They're more problems, kind of just uh, they're not they're not silly problems. It's like uh, you know loop through an array of numbers and count them, something like this. So uh, I ask these questions and it's meant I just want to see the thought process and usually we'll have a document or some shared code editor where I'll see their process. And I, to be honest, I don't care if people know the exact syntax, if they know the exact format of the functions, and even if they look it up, like, I don't care. Because the reality is that engineers, you're, you're always looking up stuff, right? Like, like when I switch languages, I, I Google how to do a for loop and go, like, because sometimes I just forget, right? And so I'm looking more for like their thought process in approaching the problem and how they arrive at a solution, or even if they don't arrive at a solution, the paths that they took and explored. So for remote interviews, people having their computer in front of them, like I don't personally feel like it gives them a big advantage or disadvantage, but it may go to more of the sort of questions that I'm asking people. Right. It's more realistic to allow somebody to look things up anyways. I mean, my God, this, just imagine though, if, if you didn't allow that and you, you had somebody who just happened to know every question that you asked them, but then when faced with something they didn't know, were completely incapable of figuring out what the answer was. <laughs> like they would, they, I would much rather have the person that like at face value knew nothing, but knew how to figure out everything they needed to know. Right. Right. So and even it's, it, you can take it a step further and say like, if you're in a situation where you're interviewing and you don't know something, you can ask. Nobody ever says you can't ask questions. Right. And so like, uh, so like ask asking questions, questions. Ask, like can I Google that real quick? Like, but or won't that work against you? <laughs> like, what if you have like? I mean, you sound nice. I don't know because you know I've never been in an interview with you. But I'm like, oh, he seems approachable. But like, you know, what if like you're with somebody and you know you Sam might say like, yeah, it's totally cool to ask questions. But like, the next interviewer is like, uh. Don't act, you know, you don't know what you're talking about if you if you have to. Yeah, the it. next interviewer sucks then. <laughs> like, I mean, but here's the the truth is like you're gonna go through if you if you're interviewing at like all of these companies, then you're probably gonna be faced with what five interviewers per company or whatever. Like odds are you're gonna get one or two people that are just a pain and there's nothing yeah. you can do about it. Like I had I had a few like at every company I've ever interviewed at there was always like one person that I was just like Ugh, that didn't go well but I'm not sure it was my fault you know like uh, and hopefully the people that are getting that person's feedback kind of know that about that person too so yeah it's not you know. it's not a it's not a binary signal that you get from interviews uh, especially when you're interviewing with multiple different people like the the people that are looking at those results are looking at the aggregate results with a lot of context about like, oh, this person typically rates people lower, this person typically inflates their rating. And so it's a very nuanced signal and it's a messy signal to be honest. So, um, so you're telling me that we basically can't prepare for interviews. No, 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 no. So yeah. yes, so let's break it down. So uh, for tech interviews, for a programming centric interview question, you'll be presented with some sort of prompt, right? You'll typically be presented with some underdefined problem. Like I wanna count the number of chickens in the world by airplane, just making up something. And so 
you typically want to make sure that first you understand the question being asked and it's going to be underdefined. So you're going to say, okay, well, how high is the airplane flying? Is the airplane flying? How fast can the airplane go? You really want to define the bounds of the question. Uh, will the number of chickens fit into uh, in the memory? And so by you asking these questions, by you probing the boundaries of the question, you are essentially refining exactly what that question is asking for. So a good interview, tech interview question will not be very clear cut. It won't be like you are given a function that takes A and B, you need to add the results of A and B together and return it. That's not a good interview question. It's going yeah. to be much more generic, much more ambiguous. And it's up to you as the candidate to take that and start building from that. So you say, okay, well, what about these inputs? What about these edge cases? Uh, and you essentially are defining the problem. Once you've defined the problem, then what I typically recommend is you, you go right off the bat with test cases. Don't write any code. You just say, okay, well, great. I think I understand the problem. You write it down, say, these are the test cases. So here's test case one, test case two, test case three. As you, you as the interviewee ask the interviewer, are these test cases right? Are they valid? Does this output seem correct? And so you're sort of establishing what success looks like for that question. And then you start solving that solution and you do it incrementally. You say, okay, well, the first thing I'm going to do is this, then I'm going to do this, and then I'm gonna do this. And you don't even have to write code up until this point. So you both have what the problem. That. Basically you're saying write tests first. Yeah. You don't even have to write tests. You just define what the input and output is. Like you don't even have to write code up until this point. Uh, well, write tests in your brain. In your brain, yes. <laughs> but it helps. It helps to make sure that you're aligned, right? Aligned with the interviewer, yeah. so they can't say, "Well, you didn't handle this case." Like, well, I outlined this case, and you said that this was okay. This is yeah. why you're so I, good at tech I have to say, I've I've interviewed people that went to some of the best. It, it, frequently, it's like the people that mess this up are the people that are younger, kind of newer in the industry. That I, it, in my experience, anyways, and I've interviewed people that went to some of the best schools in the world, and they biffed. Where you know, I give them some under underdefined problem, and then they freeze because they feel like they're not allowed to ask any questions or. Like, and the whole thing is you want to see if they're willing to research a problem because you can't have somebody in a real job that like, you're going to get under underdefined problems, like the end, like almost everything that's ever given to you is like, can you make this prettier? And you're like, this what? Like, what are you talking about? Like, like whatever, whatever task you get while you're working on software, especially on like web UI stuff, always comes underdefined. You have to ask a whole bunch of questions to figure out what you need to do. And like the number one thing I've seen uh, younger people and mostly again uh, do is they just freeze when you give them an under, underdefined problem. Like, or one time I even had a, a guy, he got, he got upset with me. Like, how could you ask me this? If, you know, if you, you're not going to tell me everything I need to know to answer the, the question. And, you know, I just calmly was like, well, I just want to, you know, get you to figure out more about it. Like you can ask me all the questions you want. So, yeah. Yeah. I've seen kind of the two extremes here of um, people freeze. They don't know how to handle the ambiguity. Uh, and then the other side of it is they are so confident they don't have to ask any questions. So they say, uh, oh, this seems easy. And then they proceed to uh, not be very successful. It's If you find yourself in an interview, 
saying, oh, this seems very easy. Uh, you should not say that out loud. And then yeah. say to yourself, this probably isn't so easy or there's probably something I'm missing and you should pause. Um, so yeah, communication and breaking down a problem is such a key part of at least my personal interview process that I want to test like, would and you see. Like, would you ever be like, uh, this person is overanalyzing the hell out of things. He's just going to overanalyze everything in like period. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> so, so there, there is an extreme variant that I've seen happen a few times where people take this to the far extreme and they ask questions for 90% of the interview. They don't start. They just keep asking questions or they keep tweaking the definition of the problem and then they don't have time to implement it. So there's absolutely a balance here. Uh, I would say so I would like always- 15 minutes, ask questions and then get started. Spend the next 45 getting started. Yeah, it depends on how long the interviews are. Typically, the format that I've seen in, in tech interviews are roughly 45 minutes with 10 minutes being like, let's just talk about the company and answer any questions. So it really leaves about 30 minutes for your difficult technical problem. So my, my recommendation is to spend about 20% of your time defining the problem, clarifying. Uh, you spend you know the 10% writing some test cases at the beginning. You spend another 20 to 30% writing uh, kind of an outline of your approach and then spend the rest of the time actually doing it. Uh, the coding part in a funny way, like the coding part is not required to be successful in these interviews. Like if you get stuck implementing it, if you had a plan for how you're going to do it, that actually demonstrates that you are thinking the right way. So I think a lot of times it's very easy to get caught up in like, oh, I need to, be very fast at writing code and, oh, I have to do it on a whiteboard. That's going to take me such a long time. Uh, it's about the thought process and it's about your, your iterative kind of development process. So it's okay if you don't, you know, finish. It's okay so it's if like you don't have all the code. Ready. What you're saying. It's like, it's not about finishing the problem. It's just about doing it. Yeah. I've had people like tweet me on Twitter, like slide into my DMs and be like, oh my God, I have to pass this technical interview. Can you help me? Like tomorrow, I'm like, no. But you know how I would pass the technical interview, Sam? You well, want to know? Yeah. I would basically call in Ben and have him be on the iPad. So he's in the <laughs> interview with me, but not in the interview with me. And have him be writing out exactly what I should say, <laughs> what I should do. I know oh, you're, you're underselling yourself, Tracy. No, I want to go apply for Google now and do really bad. I, I am, I am just another pretty face. I don't know anything. That's so a horrible you choice. Ask Sam instead. So Sam, you want to do this with me? Like, no, let no. if I can pass a tech interview like that. It's like an ear, like an earbud. Like, no, uh, no, he'll just be on an iPad and I'll just be reading from like a prompter because you know, <laughs> video anyways. There's got a there's there has to have been one person that's got into a company the size of Google that's like had like a secret earpiece and was like <laughs> getting answers from their friend. That had to have happened that's once. How, that's how Sam got in, right? Yeah, it's <laughs> definitely how I got in. What other secrets can you tell us? So I guess I guess it's like, okay, ask questions. It's about how you implement it, like, you know write test cases first. I mean, this is all really, really good advice. Um, but what, what else? Uh, go into the interviews with a framework, execute on your framework. So don't let the problem dictate your process. 
So define a framework for how you work, sort of what I outlined. Question, test cases, outline, and then code. Uh, and so execute on the framework. I've seen many people be successful by having a framework and just executing on it, even if their solution wasn't the best. How do you filter for like, I mean, what percentage of the filter is like filtering for people who are not the right fit? Like, do you ever like walk into an interview and you're like, oh, this person isn't gonna be the right team fit, done. Uh, the interviews that I do as kind of been hinted that the bigger companies, you typically are not interviewing for a specific team. You're interviewing for sort of a bar that the company sets. And then there's an additional process after the fact for team matching. Uh, so I know Apple does this, or actually I don't know about Apple. I know Facebook does this. I know Google does this. Um, so like, is the team matching another interview or is it like, okay, so what yeah. if you like have all the technical interviews and then they're like, okay, let's find a team match and then you don't find it. I guess you're screwed. Uh, I think every company handles that a little bit differently. Uh, but I guess they do the phone screen first, right? So they can kind of tell. Yeah, the phone screen is typically a technical, um, at least in my experience, it's just a technical screen. And then you go for the in-depth technical interview and then they do team matching. Yeah, and so yeah. you can. Depends on the depends on the company too. Like yeah, I, yeah. other companies I've interviewed for, there was a technical, and then right after that, there's more of like a personal with the manager, and then they put you into the like the more in depth technical one. And that that middle one there is just a they're trying to suss out whether or not you're a jerk. Yeah, I think usually. What so, was your experience, Ben? Like, what was your experience interviewing at Google? Like, didn't you interview twice? Yeah, well, the first time I failed. I didn't. I didn't prepare at all. Like so. I went in there and I did not Sam pass the interview. What's that? Sam interviewed you, didn't he? He what? He, he did. No, no, he didn't. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, uh, no, it was like random people who I did not have. Uh, I didn't. Uh, although I think Mar Martin Probst was like the only person I knew who they were when they interviewed me. Not that I'd really ever hung out with him or anything, but and he actually didn't pass me. He was one of the people who was like, no. So, but, uh, the, the second time I had come in and I had studied a good deal and, uh, I came in and I had a framework, I uh, didn't really call it a framework, but like it was, you know, I would come in and, and just assume that every, every, everything that was given to me was underdefined, ask a bunch of questions about it, come up with a bunch of test cases, including some edge cases, and then talk about the approach I was going to take and attempt to execute it. Now I rarely like. One of the things I had to do was uh, what uh, uh, define like a, a random maze, right? So, but it, that was the only problem. So I had to figure out, well, can it be a square maze? Does that have to be hexagonal? Is it round? Like what kind of maze are we talking? And then like, you know, went through that whole process, but like I didn't finish it. There's no way I was going to finish a code to on a whiteboard in 45 minutes that was going to generate a random maze. Uh, I, I'm sure there's people that can do that, but I'm not one of those people. But the point was, is I passed that one uh, uh, because of the whole framework thing, like what Sam's saying. And I think that's that's the same at other places now, like other like Citadel uh, or some of the other places that I've interviewed. The process was similar, but maybe not quite as um, structured as it would be at say a Netflix or a Google. Um, but you have like the phone screen, uh, managerial uh, phone screen, and then on-site interviews, uh, which 
consists of very similar questions, but I like Google trains people on how to interview people. Uh, Netflix, it they have training, but it's optional. I think I don't think they really make people, but Google for sure, uh, Facebook for sure trains people on how to interview people, and like there's like there's a method to their madness where you know other companies it's just going to be hit or miss and sometimes you're at these other companies you're running into people that used to work at google or something like that so they they have the same sort of methodology and it's kind of spreading but that's interesting there's been a lot of talk on like you know inclusivity right so like when i look at um you know big tech interviews i'm you know like so I'll tell you what we do at this dot and kind of why we set this up, right? Um, so one of the things we do initially is we just like, we look at their resume. If we like their resume, right? Then we send them a set of interview questions. It's like 20 or 30 interview questions and that assesses team fit. And so after that, then we say, okay, cool. Let's do a code exercise. We give them a take home code exercise. If they pass that bar, Right then, we say, okay, let's do a quick fifteen-minute interview. We assess team fit, and then we move on to an actual technical interview. And um, one of the reasons why we do that is because you know we're really trying to encourage like less bias in the interview process, and so we think it's more inclusive. You know, like you can let people in more. You're not judging them first on like language barriers potentially or. Uh, you know, how they look or anything like that. But like, is is big tech taking any of those things into consideration? Like, for example, some of these things you talk about, about like approaching problems, right? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess a junior developer could do it, but it's definitely scarier because like you haven't had to think through a lot of these problems before. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the... Um... So what's the answer here? Um, I don't think there is an answer. Uh, that's why I, I sort of hinted at this, like studying and preparing, because for a lot of people, this will be their first time approaching solutions or problems like this. Because, uh, you know, the thing at, at Google is like, you know, we don't hire developers, we hire engineers. And the distinction there is that we are expecting engineers to ask the questions and to push and to pull and to to poke, to poke at what was given to them and not just implement it. Um, oh, so, I never knew. That's like so interesting to say like, that is what differentiates a developer versus an engineer. Yeah, I, I don't know if this is stated officially anywhere. It's just like kind of my <laughs> my perception and how I think about it is, because uh, I worked at a, at a consulting company before and it was very much a developer shop, like, People would come with a product and we would build a Facebook for cats for them. They come with the problem, they come with even designs, and then we would sit down, throw a bunch of, uh, of individuals at the problem and then build the solution for them. But it wasn't like we were uh, engineering a, you know, a castle, a castle in the sky. It was, okay, let's throw bodies at it, let's, let's build it, and let's move on to the next project. Just to be clear though, that still happens at every one of these companies. <laughs> like, it absolutely so, does. So, so there's a good there's a good chunk of your job where you're just implementing a solution that was. You're hired for as an engineer, but you are a developer. <laughs> yes, yes. I don't think the two are mutually exclusive. It's just yeah. the interview at kind of the bigger companies is pu pushing for these engineering questions. 
Um, and for a lot of people, especially if you haven't worked at a company like this, it's going to be very foreign because you've just never been in these conversations before. Like typically maybe your project manager will say, okay, well, here's the, the JIRA ticket. That's four points. And uh, can you get this done in the next two weeks? And you say, okay. And then you go off for two weeks and you come back. Wait, so like, what about this whole, like everyone being so scared that like you have to write algorithms on whiteboards uh, interviewing at Google? Like, is that just not a thing? No, it, 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 it's a thing. I think the word algorithms is scary. Um, you told me like, we don't have to write any code, Sam. You said that we could just talk through a problem. <laughs> you, you do. So, okay, you can talk through the problem. That's a big part of it is outlining your approach. But at the end of the day, you do have to write something down. That's oh, crazy. I missed that part. I thought you I said we could talk through problems. If you're studying algorithms, though, I will I will say there's like a there's like a few classes of algorithms <laughs> that show up. Yes, over there's and a, over a and over finite again. finite set. Yeah, like there's I, I roughly guarantee there's some going to be some sort of binary search that you have to do and during an interview process, if you, especially if you interview at like two or three of these companies, like most people do when they're going going out. Like there's going to like two times you're going to have to implement some sort of binary search. Uh, a couple times you're going to have to do something with a binary tree, either flattening it or, you know, serializing it and deserializing. It. Like it's, it's always, and these are things that are as, as people get very upset about these sorts of things, they're like, when do I ever do that in real life? And it's like, it's, it's not the point. The point is, you know, that, that you, these are problems that you can work through and understand. Uh, and inevitably, inevitably you will end up having to do some sort of, node crawling, whatever in your lifetime, like it will happen during your career. And it's more likely to happen to you at a company like Google or Netflix or one of these other companies that's getting into some deep engineering of things. But, uh, but yeah, well, you so, too. what's the third? Uh, let's see. I'm trying to think of some, other, some of the other ones for, for sure. There's going to be, uh, some sort of graph traversal thing too. Like, yeah. like someone's going to be like, okay, so, there's a bunch of gas stations between here and there. And there's like a certain price at each gas station. You have to figure out the cheapest route between point A and point B or whatever. Like, and that's just node traversal questions. So they'll just be like node traversal in disguise or binary search in disguise or uh, binary tree type stuff in disguise. Like, and a lot no of it. Right? And this, I mean, this, uh, this, this sounds scary, I think. Um, like I, I generalize it a little bit more. Uh, you will have a question that has nested for loops. So you just practice that. Practice having nested for loops and iterating through like a two-dimensional array. That will absolutely be part of the interview. Okay, let's let's try this real quick though. Sam, ask Ben a question. No, I'm not doing this. I'll come fail. On, come no, on. no, no. Or, or Ben, you ask Sam a question. No, no, I'll fail. I'll fail. The answer's I'll fail right now. So, so yeah, here's here's the secret about uh, the 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 ivory castle that is Google uh, is the ivory tower is like this. You work really hard to get in, and then you go right back to being a normal person like everybody else. And most Googlers would totally fail a Google interview if you just randomly pulled them out of their job and said, "Hey." <laughs> you're gonna go get interviewed for your job again today that's like that's like every googler's nightmare like a way to have to go interview i have a really good question that we should add into the mix okay so if i have 100 white doves and i need a specific dove to reach california 
from Rhode Island, how do I make sure that that white dove makes it? Tell me. Come on, y'all. It's easy. So one of those uh, U.S. Postal Service, if it fits, it ships. Just mm, kill the like dove, put it in the box. That's good. Ship it. Boom. I mean, um, hey, I'm down with that. <laughs> Come on, Sam. Give me some hard, like, there's got to be, like, some way to solve this technically. No, I, I, All right. So one thing I, I will say is I never got any of the questions like, you know, help me figure out how many golf balls fit in a bus yeah, or they, whatever. That, like, I, I, that is a myth. So like, I think that's, that's been long, long has not been the thing. Now that said, you may encounter an interviewer who asks you this question and don't, don't worry in that, in that situation. Uh, Cause like, there's a reason why you interview with multiple people. Some people ask really bad questions. Some people interview people very poorly. It's fine. You're not expected to pass everything. It's fine. You're not even expected to pass things to the 100% mark. It's a rubric. It's different dimensions. And that's why it's so important just to work your process over and over again, regardless of the question. Because you're Wait, okay. How many do you interview with? Four, five, three? Usually uh, it's five, depends. I think. Yeah. yeah. Five? Ish. Yeah, usually, usually there's, a, oh, the other thing I can tell you is there's like websites that have questions like these out there and yes. like you can go out. So the, one of the mistakes people make is they're like, oh, so I have to know how to solve this problem off the top of my head. I have to figure it out. Like everybody thinks that they're, they need to be able to be like, okay, you gave me this question and I have to pull the answer out of my butt. And that's like, no, the the thing is, is most of these questions have answers out there that already yeah. exist. You can go out and just kind of memorize these patterns and they're just like kind of rehashes of the same thing with different names, right? So like so you can go out, uh, geeks, there's like Geeks for Geeks um, has a, a bunch of stuff like that. Uh, mm -hmm. Like you just go out and like I would, I went out and I found a few of these things that I knew I kind of struggled with and then literally implemented them over and over and over again in like Stacklets or, you know, I think maybe it was JS Fiddle at the time or whatever uh, until that. I. That's exactly what I did as well. I just practiced uh, for a very long time before I went into that's my interview. Like, that's like basically feeding into this whole idea. Absolutely. That, it, that it, people who have the time can pass the interviews easier. I fully agree. Like, but then also it's like this whole idea that like, okay, you're spending all this time studying to pass this interview and, you know, it's teaching you kind of like how to game the system, like what Google expects an engineer to think about how to solve these problems. But then are you, aren't you getting worse people in? Because so I, I, I frame it. I, yeah, I frame it slightly different in my mind. Um, you're not gaming the system. You're studying for a test. It shows uh, just like a lot of jobs will say, well, we require a college degree. It's uh, it's less about, you know, are you a genius now that you went to college? No. Did you have the uh, persistence to, to go through college for two, three, four years and get your degree? Yes. And does that provide a signal? Yes. Like, you know, if I had enough time, I would study for one of these tech interviews and see if I could pass <laughs> just based on the coursework out there and then get in there and be like, ha. Huh. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And then, and then walk out. I did yeah. it. I don't need to be here anymore. <laughs> Somebody needs to do that. <laughs> yeah. 
It's uh, uh, but I like the Google like so Google's interview process is like and I've interviewed it. Um, I think all almost all of the fan companies. I never interviewed at Apple, but uh, yeah, similar. Uh, I I'll put it this: I've gotten offers from. Well, let, let me think about this. There's Facebook. Netflix, I worked at Google. I worked at. I had an offer from Uber. Like I've I've had offers from most of these places, and I will say that Google's interview process is the hardest by far. Like it's no joke. And I, the other ones aren't aren't easy either. Like they're not like oh that was cake. Like, but compared to Google, Google's is the hardest. Um, and like I but I studied an hour a day tops, um, and not even every day. Probably like every other day. For, but I did I did that for like a straight month or something like that, and then there was like maybe in the weekend I, I had like an hour or two where I had somebody try to give me a mock interview just to like try to practice or whatever. But like the first time I didn't do any of that stuff and I failed, and it was really important to me um, this that particular time. So it's it's all about like you know I think most people have a half hour to an hour a day that they could dedicate to something that's just temporary for a short amount of time um, to try to get these things out. And, and maybe they don't, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but uh, you know, if, if it's me, I would take that out of, you know, part of my sleep schedule. If I had to, yeah, just ben, has like open source. ben has open source. He has three kids that he's very active with. Plus he had a full-time job. So maybe not everybody can do it, but Oh my God. It's a commitment. I think that's the yeah. thing. It's like, it's a commitment. If you prepare, um, the preparation is not going to hurt you. I think that's, that, that's sort of my takeaway. Yeah. Yeah. Now I will say that I do think these companies like their whole pipeline, uh, process does favor younger people that have ample amounts of time on their hands. Like there's, <laughs> there's no, there's no doubt, uh, that that's, I mean, they, they, it's it's specifically targeted. Like they have groups that go out to college campuses, and they have like these, you know, the internship projects and all these other things. Like it's it's they do favor young folks, uh, and I have to believe it's intentional. But I think that just the standard interview process itself isn't necessarily engineered to favor just people that have extra time in their hands. Um, well, I would try to get into Google. Like if I were interviewing for Google, and you know, I was like you know, 16, 17, I started thinking about it, which, you know, who does at 16 or 17? I don't know, not many, but it's like, it's better to get hired right out of college with Google because your bar is set so much lower, right? Like to like how many people get yeah. hired at like an IC, I don't know, eight or nine or seven or, you know, whatever the high number is um, at Google. It's just like so much harder to pass those interviews versus like, Hey, I'm getting hired as like, a first year college or, you know, first year out of college student. Yeah. Well, that was one of the issues I had with my first round of interviews at Google where I didn't make it in because I was being interviewed for an L5 position. And, you know, the, like you have to perform extremely well in order to like land in Google at that position. Like most people would be like L3 or L4 when they start and then get into that. There's, yeah, not, they don't yeah. let a lot of people in that way. So that's my understanding. Um, but again, I didn't study for that one either at all. Like I just thought, Oh, it's a job interview. I'm just going to go in and do stuff like that was a mistake clearly. Yeah. So, well, Sam, thank you so much. I mean, I think one thing that you did here was just make it like so much less scary. 
you know, like I'm less scared of tech interviews now because I feel like I could just have a conversation with somebody and it'll be fine, you know? Um, so that's really cool. Um, we learned some algorithm questions for whoever's listening needs to go look those up right now. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, that's pretty good. So like Sam, why are you passionate about educating people about this process? Uh, because I, I think that there's just a lack of understanding and a lack of transparency um, and just misinformation out there. Like I'm going to get asked how, to, how many golf balls fit into an airplane. You're not. Uh, there, there, there's a framework. You build a framework, you approach the problems, you'll be okay. Yeah. So, What's the difference between let and const? Tell me now. <laughs> as, as somebody that's made it into these uh, into these companies too, like it feels good to see other people get in uh, as well. It, it, in particular, from my point of view, it felt good to see people get in there that weren't coming from like these like MIT and you know whatever. Like, I mean, that's great. There's great. It's those people are wonderful that have come from those places. But it's it's always exciting to see somebody that maybe has is a little older that's in their career or like you know, has kids at home or isn't just fresh out of college that mm -hmm. like, is like, you know what, I'm going to do this. And they go in and they, they knock it out and they get through the interview and they work at Google. Like that's, it's super exciting to see people join a company like Google or Netflix or anywhere like that. Uh, for me, like I get pumped to see people join. So. Ben, we have to go interview at a place. Like I'm literally, I want to apply at a place and then, have you on FaceTime and just have you chat me all the answers and see if I get in. Like, I'm not I doing it unless I can talk into my lapel while you're doing it. <laughs> like, we should like do that. that sit off to the side and talk, talk to my lapel. When we retire, let's do that. This, this one, she's trying to get you. This is a binary search. It's a binary search. You got to go. <laughs> Well, if anybody wants to ask Sam questions, you can follow him on Twitter. How do you say your Twitter handle, Sam? That's very difficult. I, I don't feel like there's a right way or a wrong way. Sam, Sam C. Sam C. Cohn. See, lots of options here. They're all right. <laughs> well, anyways. <laughs> Wait, do the hat thing. Can you do the hat thing for us? Do the hat thing. It's too hot in here, Ben. Oh. Uh. <laughs> there. I'm so, I'm so, I'm so happy. <laughs> There we go. <laughs> Just for you, Ben. <laughs> Anyways, but thank you everybody so much for listening. Um, and we hope to see you on the next Modern One podcast. podcast is sponsored by this.labs, a framework agnostic consultancy that specializes in JavaScript. You can find them at this.co slash labs. That's T-H-I-S-D-O-T dot C-O slash labs. Let's go, cause we got a show for you.